52 to be exact and again as you know each week the movies by minute hosts will examine the 1985 john landis directed comedy into the night one minute of screen time per time per episode hello i'm actor and comedian ethan mckinley and the host of the two minute terminator now available on uh, youtube and currently shooting us a, a sexy core horror show called dark ditties for amazon prime how exciting and uh, my eminent co-host for this one uh, is a guy that I do a show called Was It Worth It With, where I make him watch films he's never seen before. And this guy, you wouldn't believe, has seen most of the mainstream classic or franchise movies. I'm as shocked as you are. So with that in mind, uh, we actually covered this film once uh, last year on our show. So I thought I'd bring him back and ask him what he thought of it this time. But in minute form. Here he <laughs> is. You know him. You love him. It's Toffer. Hello, everybody. Wow, listen uh, to the, the enthusiasm. My, <laughs> my pen has leaked all over my hands. And that's not a euphemism. <laughs> so, without further ado, listeners, uh, we are in minute 52, and it starts with, once again, John Landis in the middle of the street in his underpants, waving a gun around. That's not a euphemism. And, uh, uh, and it, ends, it ends with David Bowie being cut off mid-sentence, saying, I can assure you... And then the uh, the scene cuts. So there we have it. Now I'm going to set up my little clip here playing. I've um, got a question about David Bowie. Don't we all, darling? Right. <laughs> uh, this film is, came out in 1985, correct? It did, indeed. Which which David Bowie is this? Is this obviously David Bowie? Is David Bowie at the mini? No, but no. He, I, he, I, can't, I see where you're going with this, but keep going. Yeah, yeah. Which which David Bowie? Is he at the moment? Is he Stardust? Is he any of the other? Which one is he? No, he, I mean, is he co is he coked up? Is he drinking? Is he because of David Bowie's ch 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 changes throughout the years? Hey, there we go. Uh, because of that, he did Ziggy Stardust in I guess the seventies. Then he kind of killed the character. I think at uh, it looks like the, the Smith Academy is at Brixton. I think it was the Brixton Academy. It looks like the Let's Dance, David Bowie. Well, I've actually got in my notes because it's 1985. It, I think it is because he's kind of got the blonde, like swept hair, and he looks. He's basically in that kind of. He's just done uh, the Cat People soundtrack. Uh, oh, that's a great soundtrack. And the Serious Moonlight tour, where he's in those like very bold, almost Jim Carrey in the mask, uh, yellow zoot suits. If you've not seen him, listeners, Google him. He, he looks, uh, as Toff would say, mint. <laughs> So uh, I think because of that, he's just fading out of that 1983-84 phase. Uh, I think Bowie actually recently said, and in recently, recently, well, within, no, not within didn't. the last three years, but when he was alive, okay. uh, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> he was in his Phil Collins phase, and he kind of before anyone went, oh, but I like Phil Collins, he corrected himself when basically I was going to concerts and all the people that were in the audience weren't my kind of crowd, and he realised he kind of slipped into this very kind of straight laced, boring. I'm in a suit. I'm kind of appealing to the Phil Collins crowd. I don't want that. I'm meant to be ever-changing Dobie Bowie. So he kind of started uh, to change his image. I think he was going into like Tin Machine, which was, I guess, a spin-off project he had at the time. But right. he very much has that, as you so rightly pointed out, the untrained eye. He does have that kind of look of uh, Let's Dance. But I think he had like much curlier, pompadoury hair then. But I see what you're doing. Because in the uh, Let's Dance video, he's kind of dressed like that, isn't he? But he's got like gloves on. 
without the yeah. jacket. Yeah, he loves a shirt. This this David Bowie loves a shirt. He does. He does love a shirt. But uh, yeah, he's got a lovely moustache in this scene. <laughs> he does. And weirdly, I don't. I've I've looked everywhere for this, and as we've discussed in the last episode, listeners. Uh, there's very little information on this film. I would like to know why. Whose idea was this? Has he got a plaster on his right temple? His right. Did you notice that? Uh, yes. It's over, just over his eyebrow. Yeah. Hmm. Now, I'm wondering, did they shoot more stuff? Because this looks like it was the introduction of the character, this like random person appears out of nowhere. He just creeps up on Jeff Goldblum. You're very good, Ed. <laughs> Where are the stones? William Shatner now. Oh, my God. Hey, hey. I didn't say I was a great actor. No, that's just, that's I'm for me to say. At, I'm better at doing Ralph Brown from you, Wayne's terrific. World. And <laughs> so, Toffer, you have many mm. questions. Talk to me. I would like to know why David Bowie. Well, to speak to this kind of, you know, he's he's been Ziggy Stardust. He's been. Uh, God, Gene Genie, the Rebel Rebel, whatever. He's done all these albums. He's going into the 80s now. I think he was trying to break into acting because in 1983, like I said, when he was doing the Serious Moonlight tour, he almost, he almost, he actually shot a film called The Hunger. Now, have you heard or seen The Hunger? I've heard, I've not seen. It's a very expressionistic kind of vampire film. Uh, okay. <laughs> which is, it's directed basically by Tony Scott, who is Ridley Scott's brother who cut yeah. his teeth on, you know, these many thousands of commercials, which Ridley Scott claims I have, I've, I've uh, directed over 2,000 commercials. Have you, Ridley? How did you direct 2,000 commercials in a five-year period? I know how to commercial... I don't know. He, he always says over 2,000 commercials, Ridley Scott, and I'm not sure if that was through his company or he himself, but he always kind of says this, and I just can never get the logistics. It's when, like, they say Mick Jagger slept with, like, 5,000 women. You're like, how was that even possible in that time frame that he claims? It's literally not. But then again, unless there was like seventeen at one time. Then again, he's like Mick Jagger, and he's like, "What do I know?" So, <laughs> uh, I think David was trying to break away—well, not break away, but kind of do a dual movie career, as I think Justin Timberlake has tried, and you know, Will Smith and various other people to varying degrees of success. Mm -hmm. So, I think he was trying to obviously break into films. Now, The Hunger, for those that don't know, is this very expressionistic. Uh, vampire film with Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon. It's got lots of nude people. Actually, a really good old man makeup job by Dick Smith, who did Linda Blair in The Exorcist. Oh, yeah. But uh, I think he's trying to... Oh, I haven't seen it for so many years, but I think he's just trying to kind of remain young or preserve himself without drinking blood. If I'm getting this wrong, and you are a Hunger fan, listeners, and you're trying to, like, you're, you're, you're putting two fists through your computer screen right now, or stamping on your phone, please don't do that. I'm just, I'm just trying to spitball here. But, Can I ask you a question about this scene? Well, what I was going to say was the film bombed massively and that kind of, I guess, ended for some time uh, David's aspirations at doing acting a little bit because it certainly finished Tony Scott's career f f at the time. He was in a thing called Director Jail. If you do a big film and then it bombs, you're kind of tarred with that brush, essentially. So, Is that the same jail that Brian Singer's in, yeah? No, that's a different kind of jail toffer. Uh, why, why the why the water in Brian Singer's pool is pink? I don't know, and that's. <laughs> but we won't ask any more questions about that. <laughs> just, just brush that one on the rug. 
yep. basically J Tony Scott couldn't get a job in Hollywood so the, he took this job on a film called Top Gun and it was do or die for him basically if he didn't make that film a massive hit that would have been the end of him and he would have been stuck doing uh, commercials now weirdly after he did The Hunger as I said he did this Saab commercial. If you Google it or put it into YouTube, folks, type in Tony Scott Saab commercial, Saab the car company being S-A-A-B, you'll see a car racing a jet plane off uh, the starting line. And that was the commercial. Because of that, Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, the famous Uber producers of 80s excess and cinema, uh, they went, this guy's the right guy to direct Top Gun. And that's how he got the job. Luckily, Top Gun was a massive hit, and then that started his career. We honestly like Beverly Hills Cop Two and things like that, etc. Oh, Beverly Hills Cop Two is a great film. True Romance. That's one of my favourites. Yeah, I think out of the two Scott brothers, I actually prefer Tony's work. I think Tony was actually the better uh, director, Man on Fire and stuff he's did as well recently, well, 10 years ago. Uh, the, the Denzel Washington <clears throat> film. That time travel one, which I really like, but no one ever mentions anymore, which is kind of forgotten with uh, Denzel as well, where he's trying to save this girl with this like time machine. And I think Jim Caviezel's in it and stuff. Good name. But yeah, I think out of the two brothers, I think I actually prefer Tony. Sadly, uh, in 2011, Tony uh, jumped off, was it the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco? Oh, I'm not sure. I know he's... he's yeah, he was well, married probably. and had two very young children. For whatever reason, I don't know why, he uh, threw himself off that bridge, so... He watched Prometheus. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, is that not cool? Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, you just told me not to swear. You don't tell me not to make inappropriate jokes. I know it's fine. Uh, I think a lot of there were a lot of uh, <laughs> bridge jumps associated with Prometheus. I mean, <laughs> imagine yeah. if they'd seen Alien Covenant. There we go. Mm. It's screening at Brian Singer's house this weekend. Don't go. So uh, <laughs> you were going to ask a question before I rudely cut you off and talked about Tony Scott for five minutes. What What would you like to know, Toffer? Uh, I, I, I'm, you're not going to be able to answer it, but it's just an observation I made of this scene. Uh, mm. Why is David Bowie doing some weird rocking? It's an I odd don't... choice. It he's is. like a weird wobble. He looks like he's cold, but it's not going to be cold. It's not. Well, I don't know. Sometimes it's a bit cold in LA because like, if, it, if it's so hot and the clouds get burnt off, it can be very... Because LA is, was... Uh, a desert that gets like water fed to it from the Colorado River so it shouldn't technically be there it's like against all things in nature basically it shouldn't exist so sometimes it can be quite chilly willy in uh, in Los Angeles but I don't know I think it's just uh, this lackadaisical uh, kind of way and I will notice this uh, listeners just before the end as he's doing the rocking I think 50 seconds in and he's smiling at Jeff Goldblum Mm. Is it me? This has driven me nuts for years, right? Did Ricky right. Gervais steal all his mannerisms uh, and acting style from David Bowie? Yes, I was going to say the exact same thing because it, it's like it's like the same person. He's like he, he's like David Brent almost, isn't he? It's uncanny. Yeah. It's weird. It's like, even the teeth. Yeah, that weird kind of fake smile kind of thing. I, yeah. it's it, it's for years, folks. This has fascinated me of like. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Do they exist mutually exclusively? Or did Ricky Gervais study Bowie? And did he take David Brent, perhaps from this character or something? I don't know. Because I don't think Bowie... I know Bowie, that's kind of his smile, but he very, seems very David Brenty in this, doesn't he? He does. He does. Uh, yeah, I, I've thought the exact same thing. It's everything about... Especially this... It's this This is the f first scene <laughs> of Clockty. Like, he... 
the way he talks, everything about it's it's really weird. It's I'd just be interesting a, yeah. to see him side by side. It's the delivery. I mean, it goes up to any and even to the, the next cadence, level. It? The, cadence, the cadence, the, the smile, mannerisms, everything. The head rock, the the stance, everything. It's I, I don't know. I I just love to ask Ricky Gervais this question. Maybe someone has. I don't know. But I, I literally looked it up. I'm gonna try. I mean, you know what? I'm gonna go on a Reddit forum. I should have done this before the show. Maybe we could do it for the next episode. I'm gonna go on a Reddit forum and just type in Ricky Gervais and David Bowie and see if anything comes up. Because I swear, somehow you can't be the only one that's made this observation. Yeah, I, d- I, d- I don't know. It's just so strange. But like I said with Tony Scott, I think this was David Bowie's kind of one of his comeback films. The Hunger was two years ago. That failed. So I think he thought, which I think is probably a good thing, if you do these little kind of punctuated cameos in various things where you make a big impact for a very small amount of screen time, yeah. uh, that would be the way to go. I'd also say, because in the last minute, Jim Henson was in Minute 51, the one we did yesterday on Monday, I think because they were both on this, maybe they met, I don't know. It's very unlikely, but the next thing David Bowie was in a year later was uh, Labyrinth, directed by uh, Jim Jim Carrey. Oh. I, mean, I mean, Jim Henson, rather. Written by Terry Jones and produced by George Lucas, playing Jareth the Goblin King, which I guess one could argue is his... That's definitely the... Uh, what is it? The, God, the canon? Is it the... Yeah, the Bowie canon? That's definitely yes. that's yes, the pinnacle. I think. It. I'm sorry. What did you just say? I haven't seen Labyrinth. Oh my god! You've got yeah. children. He's probably too old to, Hunter's probably too, actually too old to watch it now. Uh, I think, but it'd be very interesting. To see. Actually, you know what? As a potential was di- di- disgraceful plug, listeners. As a potential, <laughs> was it worth it? Uh, episode. You should not watch it with me. You should watch. Was it worth it with Hunter? Yes. Because he's grown up with Avengers Infinity War, Batman this, Batman that, Marvel, DC, every you know modern film with CGI and God knows what. I wonder how he is a kid. Because how old is he now? He'd be six. Okay, all right. May- okay, maybe it would work. I just want to see if... Because he accepts Muppets, I guess, and likes them, as we discussed in the last episode. I wonder if he'll accept kind of uh, more of the handsome like puppet type stuff because there's a variety of stuff in that film from like you know models to our art anim- animatronic looking things to actually just like rubbish puppets that you put a hand in which aren't rubbish but like i think within the context of a modern view perhaps they'd probably go god is this crap get it off yeah next to rocket raccoon don't say crap hunter yeah that's what i mean i'll just I, maybe you should do that because you do like sometimes do a toddler reviews hmm so yeah, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting. It, I think yeah. you'd like Labyrinth. I think it's I, one of my fra- again one of my favorite films. I think it's Bowie's magnum opus in terms of acting, acting and performance. He wrote uh, all the songs for it, along with in conjunction with Trevor Jones, the composer. Right. It's such. It's just a great uh, uh, film of childhood, and you know, keeping childish things around you, but also letting them go. It's kind of a Toy Story esque oh. in its theme. I think. Bit of a message is there. Some somehow, uh, right, okay. And so, David Bowie's Wang, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he's got this. He's got those very kind of tight tan, uh, like leggings on, doesn't he? With like a cod piece. <laughs> <laughs> and every girl I've ever dated that has grown up with Labyrinth, they all say uh, that was their first uh, crush, which is weird for a six-year-old girl to be tingling watching uh, David Bowie the Goblin King. But uh, yeah, that's what they all say. 
You're talking about Brian Singer again? Uh, not this time, <laughs> but I think uh, the character does represent this kind of sexual awakening almost of the girl. There's like, the, weirdly, actually, Labyrinth, because there is a Labyrinth minute. Right. I think more than any film, maybe children's film, there are so many kind of blogs and things written about the almost the Freudian subtext of that film where this girl gets sucked into this world she's trying to get a baby brother back and there's this like tempting force there like saying stay and he's in love with her but he's also kind of in control but then she's in control there's a kind of this weird like creepy dynamic almost between them looking uh, back and it is very telling that all the you know girls I've known or girls I've dated all cite that film as their first kind of like celebrity crush slash you know tingle mine obviously was uh, you know weird science Cali Brock much more middle of the road and safe but yeah or maybe i just know weird girls i don't know i've not seen that either oh god all right then have you (laughs) see listeners this is why was it worth it exists because uh toffer has seen barely any films unless i forced him at gunpoint to watch them in fact I i tell a lie you went an entire year this year didn't you watching films that were on your list of things and i think you burn yourself out for films because you did 100 films in one year right now the aim was to do a hundred brand new films, but I only managed ninety three because I just, I, I just ran out of steam. You couldn't manage seven more films. No, you. Sir. I'm doing. I'm doing well this year. I'm doing have you very seen? Well this uh, year. Have you seen Zoolander? Yes. Hey, Bowie's in that, isn't he? Uh, it's been a while since I've seen. They're doing the walk off, and he goes, "If anyone has any objections, I believe I might be of service." <laughs> William Shatner again. Damn. <laughs> just stick with uh, Ralph Brown from With Nell on Ethan yeah, stick with that uh, um, have you seen The Prestige Christopher Nolan's film from 2006 with Christian Bale and uh, Hugh Jackman about the magicians no but I've never heard of it and I am in uh, the two rival magicians and basically Hugh Jackman has this kind of parlor trick where he can, he can teleport and he and Christian Bale can't figure out how he's doing it and uh, basically Bowie's in it playing Nikola Tesla, the guy that kind of uh, invented transmittable electricity before I think... Oh, God, who was the other guy? He electrocuted an elephant. Listeners, scream down your earphones at me now. Tell me. Basically, there was a rival electricity dude, and I should know this, and it's escaped me right now. I, I know you're shouting at me right now, listeners. Elon Musk? No, this is from like the, <laughs> the 1800s. There were two uh, rival kind of uh, scientists messing around with electricity, and this guy kind of had, he, he noticed Tesla's work. I mean, he took Tesla under his wing and then kind of buried his work. Tesla was working on a direct current where you could transmit electricity through the air safely and there were no wires in or anything. Okay. And this was over 100 years ago, I think. And then this other guy kind of got involved, saw what he was doing and then buried him. And then only his kind of like wires, direct current, ACDC stuff kind of uh took precedent of the, as a modern electricity and how it manifests itself in our kind of society but had tesla people argue uh, had been allowed to kind of like have his work be, go mainstream there'd be no wires in anything everything transmittable electricity we'd be pulling like free energy out of the air all that kind of stuff that uh, the conspiracy theorists and richard c hoagland talk about now that's basically it but this guy apparently buried tesla and uh, tesla went mad and uh, i think married a pigeon now this is me <laughs> I th- yeah i think he went nuts and was like used to walk around the park and would talk to pigeons and i think he was married to one he basically lost his mind uh that's the bad 
Cliff Notes version of that story. Uh, please Google it as we speak, and then uh, tell us in the comments who the other guy was. Thomas Edison. <laughs> Thomas Edison. Thank you. Uh, Tom. People say yeah. Thomas Edison kind of uh, noticed Tesla was kind of go was doing all this great stuff. Went. That's not. Gonna, oh my God. He's going to make me look like a fool. So he kind of, I think, took Tesla on as an apprentice or a co-worker, and then just sent him mad and just buried his work and just had his. Uh, thing and there's a very famous YouTube clip on an old old timey camera where he uh, electrocutes an elephant, going, "Look, everyone, this is how electricity works," and he just fries an elephant. It's quite harrowing. Topsy the elephant. There you go. Wow, look there at you. you. Yeah, you bring in, bring in it, bring in it to the show. Yeah. Um, uh, can um, we just talk about this scene a little bit? We can. Uh, Jeff Goldblum does the worst on-screen yawn in the world. Uh, he's actually doing that as you're saying that. It's the worst. It's 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 just Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum. Like he can't be asked to do anything, <laughs> even yawn. But because he's, he's he's the yawn is so lazy and he gives it zero effort, it becomes the best cinematic yawn ever. Mm. He's he's such a peculiar man. That the, I love that they kept that yawn as well. They kept that in. We'll keep that. It's a good yawn. Well, I is. think also as he's got older, he's kind of leaned into it as well and become more Goldblum. He's become uber Goldblum, hasn't he? In a sense, yeah. He just can't sit still. Like, yeah. Oh, I'll play, of course, of course, I play jazz piano. Of course, I do. Some Jeff Goldblum. Because he's, I don't. When he's in uh, Body Snatchers, I don't think he's kind of uh, that. I think he's just, yeah. He's. I think he kind of became Goldblumy after the fly. Yeah, that makes sense though. He's very Goldblum in the in the in the tour guy with Emma Thompson. Mm. Those are the best Goldblooms where he's just full on look. We mentioned it in, the, in yesterday's episode. Just Ragnarok. Just just be Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want from me? Just be Jeff Goldblum. I'm now interested in watching Mr. Frost because he used to play quite dark characters around that, that the fly time as well. I would love to see his outtakes. Like, because <laughs> because he's so weird. How do you know the, the things in the actual films we see aren't the outtakes? They could be. They very well could be. I think they he... very likely are. <laughs> Yeah, because he's just throwing things out there and they've gone, you know what, that's rather interesting. And maybe Jeff Goldblum has become the sum of his parts created by all these directors that have just thrown bits together that he wasn't aware that were going in the film. And it, they've just sort of they've just sort of moulded him into this weird character we see in Ragnarok and that's that's who Jeff Goldblum has become. As they stand outside Tiffany's. Uh, I couldn't actually... I, I, I've looked actually at Tiffany's online... In, on Rodeo Drive, but I don't think it's the same Tiffany's. I think they've moved it because this Tiffany's here seems to be part of some flat-fronted street, I think. Whereas where it is now is in kind of this uh, kind of corner uh, by the shopping centre in Rodeo, so I think they've actually moved it since then. But for those that are actually want to know or even care, uh, Tiffany's was founded in 1837 by Charles Lewis Tiffany and John B. Young. You must have muscled him out of the business early because it's only called Tiffany's. Uh, it was formed in Brooklyn, uh, Connecticut, as a stationery and fancy goods emporium. The store initially sold a wide variety of stationery items and uh, operated as Tiffany, Young and Ellis. Oh, we must there's, have muscled those two out. They, they're not no longer around. There's some fact fans listening to this going absolutely wild. Oh, my God. Uh, the store was in Lower Manhattan, and they uh, grew the business, obviously, to what you see today. Uh, and I've worked at Tiffany's a couple of times. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a bank vault. Fun fact, fact fans. Fun fact, fact fans. Uh, so there we have it. I think. Do you uh, do you have anything to add, Toffer, my darling boy? 
Not nothing other than this is an interesting introduction for David Bowie. Uh, the plaster's unusual. The rocking is very unusual. The moustache is lovely. <laughs> and I look forward to diving into this scene further as David Bowie's character gets to speak more lines. Well, speaking on the kind of weird, I guess, hiatus that happened. They all had a weird year in 1983, actually. Uh, like I said... Well, we'll talk about this tomorrow, but we're going to talk about the Twilight Zone and John Landis uh, because something very bad happened to John Landis in uh, 1983. Ah, Tony, I remember this. Tony Scott's film flopped, of course, as we know. This is the helicopter thing. And the, and unfortunately, a helicopter crashed in the middle of John Landis's career, almost ending it and putting him in prison. But we'll talk mm. about that on the jolliness that is Wednesday's show, which is uh, coming tomorrow with Minute... Uh, 53. Folks, thank you so much again for listening. I've been Ethan McKinley of the Two Minute Terminator fame. Uh, if you want to see me on screen, go to Amazon Prime and type in Dark Ditties, D-A-R-K-D-I-T-T-I-E-S, which is an old Tammy word for uh, folklore and <laughs> legend and myth. Because every time I mention this to Toffer, has gone, what the hell is that? And you're like, oh, you're American. What's you know a ditty, what sucker? Having said that, no young person in the age of... Th no millennial, I think, knows what a ditty is either. They probably think you're trying to sexually harass them. If you go, do you want to see ditties? And they're like, what? Oh, I have me? never heard of it. Uh, that being said, uh, you can find me on Instagram at EMCQ and the number one, EMCQ1. Uh, where can they find you, Toffer? And our show, other show, Was It Worth It? Was It Worth It is on the Radio Misfits podcast network. It's radiomisfits.com forward slash was it worth it. I do another show called the Master Debaters Podcast, which is the number one comedy podcast in the Midlands and the saltiest podcast in the world. We are we record in the heart of the black country. <laughs> uh, for uh, those that don't know what the black country is, folks, before you st <laughs> start complaining <laughs> to Jim uh, O'Kane, uh, it's an industrial area in the centre of England called the black country because... Uh, it was a place of high industry. Uh, yes, the, the, all the soot in the in the sky uh, made it go black, and that white was known by the the upper echelons of society as the black country. Uh, oh, it's very black in those clouds. Dear. Uh, another tr uh, fact, f fact, fan fact uh, is Fun the fact, fact fans. The chain and much of the Titanic, I believe, was built here in the black country and then shipped out. Uh, correct. Correct. Most of the locks that you are probably using to, to uh, uh, as of today, most of the padlocks that you use, come from Woolen Hall, which is where I was born and bred, and that is directly in the middle of the black country. And the seat uh, from where the Industrial Revolution of the West sprang. So there you have it. Yes. So if you uh, want to listen to this show, you can f go to nightminute.com where you can see a breakdown of all the episodes of what we've done so far and who's presenting them. Uh, you can also follow the show on iTunes and Google Play. Like I said before, if you're listening to this, you've, you already know that information, but perhaps you have a friend or a colleague... <laughs> Uh, or a co-worker that perhaps uh, would be interested in this film. There must be not just me out there that thinks this is their greatest film of all time. I can't be the only one. I'm not the only one. I refuse to believe it. So with that in mind, tell your friends, tell your family, and we will see you tomorrow. I've been Ethan McKinley, and... I have been Toffer. Don't leave me hanging, baby. Yeah, there you Sorry. go. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow for Wednesday. Bye. So lot of it. We had to beat them to death with their own shoes. Nasty business, really. <laughs> Do we thank you or what? I'd say I fall in the or what category.